0: just go to com. It's magical.
1: This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the United Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. This is DW, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to review the Raheem Morris press conference after their loss to the New Orleans Saints in Atlanta, 21-16. We're just going to listen to what he has to say, give some comments on uh, his thoughts on the game and and what happened in that critical matchup in the MC South. So let's go.
0: mentality doesn't change, uh, D. Led on how it was going. You're talking about building um, a winning culture. You want to develop um, even in losses. You want to develop at all times and what you're trying to do. You know, and those type of games that happened yesterday are, are great games that you're going to be a part of every year. You coach in the National Football League. You know, when you coach in the National Football League, there are going to be times you're going to have to win ugly games and uh, there are going to be ugly battles. And you're not going to always get across the things you want to get across within a football game you know a lot of times you go out and you want to set and dictate terms and you would like to go out yesterday and score first and take the lead with your quarterback and make them be one dimensional and force them into a, t- a certain type of battle uh, we were not able to do that yesterday and the game was one of those ugly fought games which they wanted it to be and it was played on their terms uh, but we got all the way down to the end there to the wire and still had a chance to win you know
1: I'm tired of this narrative when it comes to coaches. Uh, keeping close in a game that you still lost when you're a 4-8 and eight team is completely meaningless. Uh, maybe the Saints didn't play well, but they're they're playing Taysom Hill at quarterback. Again, uh, this is a guy until this season had never had more than uh, 10, 11 snaps in an entire game, much less as the starting quarterback. And you've been beaten by him twice. So I don't want to hear about how close it was and how you fought hard. You lost. You lost twice to the Saints under Taysom Hill. That is unacceptable.
0: I think that's the biggest learning lesson for the team and moving forward and how you want to go. So every single week you go out there, um, you try to put that type of thing down and how you're going to find out how to become a winning culture. You know, there's teams that are 11 0 right now. You know, the Steelers, they, they won a game and their, their, their classic line from their coach was, you know, what'd you think about that? And he said, it was suck. You know, and um, it was absolutely true on how he felt about that day. Even though they won. You gotta find a way to win those ugly games. Um, you gotta find a way to win those moments and go out there and take your team into that next level.
1: Now, <laughs> uh, you're not the Steelers. The the Steelers are at the top of their division, they're at the top of the NFL, frankly. And even though they just lost to the Washington football team, making that comparison when you're four and eight is just absurd. And
0: uh defensively in the secondary I love D. Could you speak to the development of A.J. Terrell and the move of Isaiah Oliver to Nickelback and how he's been playing? You know, um, we'll start with A.J. first. You know, just because the development of A.J. has been, uh, you know, critical throughout the season. Um, you're talking about a rookie who started from us from the beginning, um, and he's kind of gone, gone to the point where, so far as he's not even a rookie anymore, he's just a guy playing out there and just kind of learning on the run. And to a guy yesterday that was able to shadow Michael Thomas a little bit on a couple of our calls and, and actually go out there and compete at a very high level. And you're going to give up some catches to Michael Thomas. Um, he's going to get the best out of you. Sometimes you, um, as an AJ type position, you just got to make those plays that you're capable of making when you get a chance. And yesterday he had a chance to make a great undercutting interception and walk that thing down and give our offense either a chance to have a short field or score himself. And those are the plays you got to make, uh, when you're in that kind of guy's position and where you're going to go from this point.
1: So on AJ Terrell, uh, Bar none, he has been the most impressive rookie on this Falcons team. Uh, Michael Walker is a close second. I think he's played really well. But Terrell, for having no camp, uh, having no preseason games to get warmed up, at one of the most difficult positions in the NFL to get up to speed on, uh, he has been fantastic. And he's been our top corner for several, several weeks now, better than anyone else, uh, including Darquez Drenard, Isaiah Oliver. I I think he is honestly the best corner. We've had, and, and this may go back several years, you know, even with looking at the last couple of years with Font, Terrell is playing at a very high level. Even when he is allowing receptions, he is in position. He is where he needs to be. And over time, he's going to grow as a player. He's going to be able to make more of those plays, more of those pass deflections. He's going to bring down those interceptions. I, I think he has the potential to be a truly top tier corner in this league. And his rookie year is. Uh, has been absolutely phenomenal. So I, I think any of the praise he gets is justified. The missed interception was painful, but then again, you know, if that's if you see that as a turning point in the game, I've got about 30 offensive plays to show you on tape.
0: I'm really fired at where he's going. I'm really fired up where AJ's going to be. Um, and I'm really fired up at his demeanor and how he approaches every single game. And moving on to Isaiah, you know, Isaiah's versatility is really starting to show this year. You know, he started out last year playing really well for us down the stretch at the corner position. Um, this year he came out, struggled a little bit outside. We moved him inside. Um, he's developed into a communicator, a blitzer, uh, a person that can use his hand do a couple of different things there. Um, don't know if you guys even knew, last week he was uh, assigned to a little bit of emergency safety work. Um, so he's a versatile guy that can move around. He can do a bunch of different things for us and uh, really fire where he's going. You know.
1: Now that's really interesting. If you think about Isaiah Oliver, a player that many fans in this fan base cannot stand at this point. Uh, And I think it's unjustified. I think he's actually been a better player. His coverage is still an issue, but something that Raheem hinted on that we may want to pay attention to for the future. The reality is more than likely Ricardo Allen is gone after this year. His play has just not been good this season. Uh, Keanu Neal, if you're going to keep one of these two safeties around, I think you keep Neal uh, who's, you know, obviously a free agent after this year. Uh, Rico has not lived up to, uh, you know, his contract at this point. is Isaiah Oliver someone that the team may think about keeping around to see if he can transition into a safety role? Uh, that has happened in the past. That transition from former corners into safeties, uh, there's there's a, quite a history of that in the NFL. So it's not outside the bounds of reality, and the fact that they have used him in that capacity is really, really interesting.
0: Yesterday he had a chance to miss a big-time op in the fourth quarter. You know, those are things that are separating us from winning those ugly wins that we're talking about. Those are things that we got to associate with ourselves better, in order to find a way to get through those games and win those games, even though they don't go in the favor or the way that you planned. Um, this league is tough, man. It's always going to be that way. It's always going to have that that form about it, especially on defense. Tori, hi coach. Um, I know you said last night. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tori. You're really low. Can you hear me out? There you go. Thank you. Okay. OK, cool. Um, I know you said last night that y'all were kind of playing it situationally with Gurley right now. Was he on any specific type of pitch count yesterday and kind of how far do you think he was from 100 percent? You know, I want to call it a pitch count. And um, and I don't want to give you a percentage on how far he was um, as far as 100 percent, just because I don't want to disrespect the athlete and tell you what I think he was. You know, I'll give him the ability to tell you what he think he was. He let me know that he was capable of playing in the role that we had for him yesterday. You know, my job was to point out the specific role that I needed him to play for us yesterday and to see if he was willing or able to be able to do those things along with our trainers and our doctors and everybody else involved. Um, So we went out yesterday with that plan. I'm sorry, Tori. Did she have something I messed up? No, no, you're fine, keep going. Uh, Oh, and you know, and our plan yesterday was to go out and to put him into that role Matt Ryan and some of passes and then obviously a situational runner um, we felt the things that we would be able to do with him um, so that limits him in his numbers that he had normally been doing when you're just going out there being an every down starter um, so that was some of the lack of production or some of the lack of touches but um, he certainly went out there and was able to accomplish his role um, for us and get through the game healthy
1: and uh, I don't know about that the drive the Falcons have where they could have taken the lead Gurley ran backwards. He lost those yards on that third down run. Uh, you can question that third down run all you want, and I certainly did. I don't think that was the right play call there, but Gurley lost seven yards. He could have gone north-south. He, he decided to go south, and it, that was on him. And Even more frustrating is this is being done when you've got a player like Edo Smith who has been playing well, who was playing well in this game, who played well in the last game, who was buried on the bench until Gurley got injured and it just makes you wonder how the self-scouting within this organization is going when you've got someone like Ito who now has two straight games where, you know, he he outperformed all the other running backs on the roster and you you still put Gurley into that situation. So, I get that goal line stands, Gurley's the bigger guy, he's the guy that you want to be physical. He's just not getting it done and he's not getting it done at all this season and you inserted him after he's coming back from a knee injury, a knee that has been problematic for him basically since he entered the NFL. Uh, to me, this is a coaching issue, and it just points to the fact that between Raheem and Dirk, uh, they they don't quite know what they're doing on offense.
0: I'm sure he'll be a little bit more healthy this week for us. Gotcha. Um, and, and I went
1: back and I was watching some – charting some plays and from what i was looking at there were 20 total second down plays 16 were pass plays only 5 of those 16 were successful in, cre- in creating positive yardage how do you think issues on second down yesterday affected the overall production of the offense uh kudos to tori fantastic question getting those stats together really really interesting
0: i need to hire you tori you do a great job of uh evaluating and looking at to the small situations, but uh, we do that as well. And it's really become an issue when you're talking about your pass down situations and really going out there and being productive. You like to be productive in some of those pass down situations so you can eliminate some of those third downs that get really tough, especially versus a really good defense like the Saints. Um, When you go out and you get some of them explosive plays that we had a lot of yesterday, having 10, you know, just amongst Calvin and Julio themselves, um, getting those explosives, you like to get those explosives on some of your second down situations to make some of those drives easier. Um, when you have tough sledding on second down, you're gonna pretty much account for yourself to have tough sledding on third down. So that's when those things become extremely and definitely important, Tori, without a doubt. Charles? I doubt there's an easy uh, or a quick answer to this because it's been a, a
1: nagging uh, problem all year, the, the third, the uh, red zone uh, efficiency. But studying the game film, did anything uh, jump out at you as to um, a way to address that, that problem going forward. And, and do you think there's a connect between what you said about building a winning culture and then
0: winning in the red zone?
1: So (laughs) great question. And this is so frustrating in the years that we have had dirt cutter, this seems to be a persistent issue. Um, This seems to be the case, even going back to 2012, the 2012 offense was good, but they struggle at times to finish off drives. A lot of times, Their touchdown drives ended outside of the red zone. They weren't inside the 20s. It was a a big play from Julio or a big play from uh, Roddy White. So I think this is a Dirk Cutter question. He probably needs to be asked this repeatedly, especially since we heard several weeks ago they're focusing on the red zone. They're focusing on the red zone. All that focusing has yielded no good results, thank God. Thank God we have Young Koo as a kicker who is having a fantastic season, or else we may be seeing games where the Falcons are putting up three points, six points total. It's really quite embarrassing. And I know they're they're asking Raheem. He's the head coach. It rolls up to him. But I wish they'd ask Dirk Cutter the same question too.
0: You know, um, it's definitely a connection, you know, without a doubt. You know, like I believe I talked to you guys, um, whether it was my first press conference or the first time we got a chance to talk in person, or whatever, not in person this year, but – you know, whatever the case may be this year, how we talk, how we speak. Um, as I talked about, scoring is your job on offense. And getting the ball back is your job on defense. I think that was the, first, the very the, one of the first things I said was most important for us. And that's definitely a part of building the winning culture. So you're talking about scoring points. Um, our red zone woes I talked about yesterday. You know, you're playing a really good defense. Um, we made some really good plays, and they made some better ones. You know, and I'm particularly talking about the ones to Calvin, the tiptoe along the sideline maybe uh, one or two times there. Um, some of the executions, when they were able to come through and get a sack or a big-time play in the red zone like they ended the game on that run, we had to bounce outside, and they ran us down and create us in a long situation in the fourth and nine where those things get really tough. I would have to tip my hat off to the Saints defense yesterday because they haven't allowed many touchdowns at all. I think, like I said yesterday, we were probably the, the first team to score them in, a, in quite, a, quite a bit of a time. but
1: Yeah. In fairness, the last team they faced before us didn't have a quarterback. It was the Denver Broncos. So even when their quarterback was in, he was one of the worst in the league. They had a wide receiver playing quarterback. And then the game before that, Raheem, it was you. It was your team that played the Saints. So you are part of the problem. You're part of the reason the Saints haven't allowed touchdowns in the while. And please don't use the Broncos as a measuring stick for this franchise unless you really want to just mire in mediocrity forever.
0: We have to get better in order to develop a winning culture. You got to be able to get in the end zone, uh, Charles, and and there's no doubt about that. And how you do that is you got to go out and execute better. So we got to find a way for our coaching staff and our practice guys and our habits and even our our preparation and what we want to do to do a better job in the red zone.
1: So before we go on with the rest of the press conference, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
0: This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay.
1: Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void or prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito We're back on the podcast. Let's kick off this the rest of this uh, Raheem Morris presser. And to follow up on, on uh, what you said about uh, Todd Gurley, both post-game and, and, and then today, uh, using him situationally, obviously... Uh, a great uh, majority of his carries came late, but was it situational uh, just in terms of time of game but or situation of game?
0: You know, um, Todd was situationally in really placement of the game. You know, we were trying to, you know, you were talking about it, you alluded to it, talking about the red zone. And he's been one of the known red zone runners this year that scored a bunch of touchdowns while running in the red zone. So I definitely want to get him in the red zone. We have an opportunity, not me, I shouldn't say me. Uh, we want to get him in the red zone. We get an opportunity because he's been so effective and so good for us down there. Now, yesterday when they make a great decision, when we bounced it. But you can – when you have those kind of great backs, you know, Bobby Turner told me a long time ago, you can't second guess some of their decisions because they make some of those decisions, and you go, no, 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 yes, 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 yes. But, you know, those are one of the situations where you like to hit it downhill and make that an easier, uh, either fourth down or you pick up the first down and make the situation a little bit easier for yourself. Well,
1: Hey, Coach, after the game uh, yesterday, Foye kind of – echoed. I guess what you're saying about the defensive mentality saying that they go into a game not knowing how long they're going to be out there but ready to be out there all game if they need to. How do you go from, you know, not making that just a message to your players but really implementing that mindset and getting them to buy in?
0: You know, well, I don't know if you actually as a coach can implement that mindset. You can talk about it. We can preach it. We can make a poster, we can make t-shirts, we can write about it. We can do whatever we want Please to do don't as a make coach. A t-shirt. But I really believe the guys who make that happen is Deion Jones, Foye Koolie, you know AJ Terrell, uh, Grady Jarrett. I think those guys up front, those people, those leaders, those guys that go out there—they set a mentality to play as long as they need to, um, for whatever amount of time is required in order to win the game and give up as few as points as you need to in order to win the game. You know, you got to go into that thing with the "don't let them score" mentality, and we're going to win it. You know, zero zero, and go into a tie if we have to or whatever the case may be. But it's just a mentality that the guys got to develop on their own. I think it's something that the coaches can preach. I think it's something that we can – instill in people and something we can talk about, but I really think the guys that you play with kind of go out there with that mindset and develop it. It happened last week versus the Raiders. They went out with a different mindset and played really well. And yesterday in the second half it happened a little bit. They found a way and willed themselves in position in order for us to have a chance to win the game.
1: I want to say this because – People are going to look at that 21 points Taysom Hill and think the defense didn't do their job. I think they did a, a relatively good job against a well coached offense. You know, Taysom Hill, he is who he is, uh, but Sean Payton is, I, I hate to say it, he is an evil mastermind on the offensive side of the ball. And honestly, you give up 21 points. This was more about the offense repeatedly failing over and over and over again where the first half they had nine points. Nine points! And that's just not acceptable. They were setting up their defense repeatedly. They started the game with a three and out. So I like the fact that our defenders are going out there uh, preparing to play for 60 minutes. I hate the fact that our offense is making them live up to it. We
0: just did not. Came up short.
1: And, you know, following directly along with that, it looked like, Things could have been shaping up a little bit uh, in this Saints game, kind of like the first one where the Saints score right before the half, come out in the second half and score again. That was all they scored. And so is that kind of a learning moment where you can point to the defense and say, if we're going to have a winning mentality, then you got to be able to take their punches, but then shut them down from there on out.
0: Right now, guys, Will's just trying to make me angry all over again, (laughs) you know, because the big preaching moment coming out of halftime was we cannot allow that to repeat itself. And they went right down and scored. You know, I think the big teachable moment out of that is, is you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't get down on what just happened. You got to find a way to pick yourself up and go and win. Because then they went out and got a couple stops in a row. You know, we had a huge turnover with a sack from it that they got in our. You know, I don't know if it was the red zone, but it certainly was in our field position plus territory. And our guys went out and forced their own sack from their own and got the ball back. That right there was a pivotal moment for our defense to put us in position to win. and kept us in that game, and then we we're able to get something going on offense. And that made that thing go down to the wire and become a really watchable game, uh, entertaining game. That I would like to come out in our favor. It would have been, uh, it would have been nice.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take, <laughs> take umbrage with that. That was not a watchable game for at least three quarters. That was dreadful, dreadful, boring football. Sorry, Raheem. You guys got to do better than that. Jason, the coach. Um, you know, after rewatching the game. Um, yeah, I know you credited New Orleans defense yesterday, but, um, you know, Jason, when just you, get to the hard
0: question. Go, just get to the hard question. I'm to soften me up, Jason. Hey, I
1: got to do what I can, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, did you guys feel you made the necessary adjustments from the first game to this game offensively?
0: Well, Jason, uh, I've been telling you a story, but I said we made the necessary adjustments when you come out and you lose. That would be the wrong approach, I think, in my opinion. You know, but – when you come out and you have a slow start in the first half, you're certainly disappointed in what you did on offense, and you're certainly disappointed in those things, and we kicked too many field goals. Kuh has been money, but I like to see less of them. You know, we like to score touchdowns. No kidding. In the second half, we were able to come out and get some things going, which is really positive for us. And having the amount of explosives that we were able to get this game with 11 and 18 lets you know you did a better job in your preparation and some of the things you were able to do and have some success that we had. You know, but still, you know, it wasn't enough. We got to find a way to run the ball versus these two man and these two high defenses a little bit better in order to take control of the game, and we got to find a way in the red zone to get some of these things in the end zone in order to get these things in our favor and the game plan in our favor to play to the strengths of our team.
1: Uh, Kind of a broad one here, you know. Since you have stepped into this coaching uh, position, head coach position, you know, what is your evaluation of the offense's output in relation to the the personnel, the players you have on this roster?
0: I don't really look at it that way, you know, because
1: you should
0: haven't been in a position, you know, went to a bye week. Um, and that was a time to do that. We talked about the evaluations, those type of things. But in my opinion, is you got to look at it. What's in, what's what's important for each game? Did you do enough to win? Or are you planning for enough to win? And I have to tell you right now, we didn't do enough to win yesterday on offense. And, you know, we didn't do enough to win. And we got to find a way to do enough to win each week. You know, when you take that one and no mentality, that one and no mentality carries over to your offense, defense, and your special teams. So, what did you do from your your role and your standard and your position to go one and no? Um, so, yesterday, I'd have to definitely agree with you. We didn't do enough on offense to win a game. And I'd have to say that across the board because we didn't win it.
1: The, look, I understand Raheem is not going to throw Dirk Cutter under the bus. I wish he would. I understand he's not going to get up in front of the media and basically say, dirt cutters to blame here. But what we're seeing at this point is an offense that has a Julio Jones, a Calvin Ridley, a Russell Gage, who's repeatedly shown, even in in yesterday's game, the only receiver to actually get a touchdown. Uh, You have a trio of receivers that can actually make a big impact. They had that one game at the beginning of the year where they all had 100 yards apiece. And what do we see? We see formations where... Uh, On third down, you have uh, guys like Luke Stalker and Keith Smith, um, and you just have to wonder, even if you do have the talent, if you don't use them properly, that is an indictment. That is an indictment of the coaches, and Raheem, it it comes back to you. It comes back to you as the head coach. You are the one who has to make a change. You can go up to your offensive coordinator and say, this is not good enough and you just haven't done it. Thanks.
0: Justin. Here he I also had a question about the offense. It, it kind of ties into your first answer to Jason. You guys have had one first quarter touchdown in the last six games. Is there a reason you can point to for the slow starts or is it just the, the red zone issues like you were telling Charles about manifesting themselves early? <clears throat> That's interesting. You know, uh you like to come out in your first fifteen, be magical. You go right down the field and you score. Um there was a time in my career I, I I told uh I was talking to one of my buddies last week, I don't think I stopped Sean Payton on a on an opening drive in my career until I got to Atlanta. Um but you know, I don't know if you can just define it on those moments in first quarter Is that touchdowns. To make it feel better? You like to get those touchdowns at any point, but particularly in the second half when they count the most. You know, I can tell you right now, if I'd have got one touchdown that last drive last, last night, I'd be a lot happier camper today. So I don't think I want to put it on just the, the, the first bounce. I like them at any moment. Don't get me wrong. Um, and it would be nice to come early, particularly if they set up the game plan and how you want to go. Um, but I don't think I have a, a, a direct answer for you for that and, and how you get that a little bit better right now. Thanks. Zach? Hey, Coach, when are you guys leaving for uh, California? <laughs> Exactly, straight to the point, huh? So we're getting out of here Friday. Okay. We're going to go out there. We're going to go um, stay in our hotel, um, and we'll be out there for uh, two days. You know, normal West Coast trips. You go out for two days, and you get in there, you get a chance to walk through in the stadium. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how, you know, L.A. is going to be right now with the lockdown, but, um, you know, obviously right now this is not the fun year. So we'll be in a hotel, and uh, we'll be in our own isolations within our rooms and using our our our, uh, our our devices like we're using right now in order to talk to each other. Um, We have this creepy team call that we have every night when we're on the road and and we're at home.
1: This is actually interesting. I think the lockdowns, are beginning to progress more and more in California. We're several days away from the Falcons traveling. If they're going to travel on the 11th, it is not unreasonable to think that before they can even get on the road, L.A. may shut down and that could include the the stadium for the game. So uh, this is something to watch throughout the rest of the week to see what California does and then to see what the NFL may have to do in response. But I didn't even think about that. Great question there.
0: On the phone calls when I talk to myself, I feel like, and I'm talking to the team and delivering the message. Um, and we'll do all those things and just be a two-day format. Okay. Um, we'll have a couple situations, we'll yeah. a couple situations Zach, where you go out and you get a chance for the, the position groups to meet in the, the giant room that's normally reserved for teams. Um, they'll have 10-minute segment windows in order to meet individually um, it would be to do a walk out there and do some of the other things outside.
1: Okay, Sorry, I'll just, I'll just I didn't know. If, I didn't know if it, the COVID allowed you to force you to go out the day before and how that
0: affected. But you guys are keeping it normally, which you would do. I don't know trip get out two days. We're gonna, we're gonna keep it normal. Get out there. It's it's still getting acclimated to the time change and some of those things and and all the things that normally come with traveling on the West Coast, as you guys know.
1: So that was the end of the presser. I have to say, I like Raheem Morris. I do. I think he's going to be uh, head coach again in this league at some point. I don't think it will be the Falcons. I think the fact that he lost to the Saints twice to Taysom Hill has cemented the fact that Arthur Blank will not bring him back. And honestly, I think it was a long shot to begin with. I know a lot of people started talking about it, but I think Arthur Blank was ready to move on from this entire coaching staff. And honestly, the only reason he hasn't fired everybody is because you have to have someone to finish out the season. And you know, Raheem has done a decent job. As the interim head coach, but I think this press conference shows that, you know, at minimum, this coaching staff doesn't have a lot of answers. They don't have answers for why the offense is struggling. They don't have answers for uh, the inability to close out drives in the red zone. They don't have answers for why they can't shut down Taysom Hill. And when you don't have answers and you you don't have the ability to fix it, you don't belong as a coach, a head coach in the NFL. So good luck to Raheem. Uh, Guys, let me know what you think about this format of reviewing uh, some of these pressers. Probably keep it focused to Raheem Morris for now just because he is the interim head coach, uh, and this is usually where we get the most information. But if we see anything interesting from guys like Dirk Cutter, we may include those as well. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW, updates on this podcast, at FalcoholicPod, and, of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. This is Dave Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.